Tomorrow, I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss authenticity, tattoos, and sleeping. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. This podcast is brought to you by Microsoft Voice Recorder. It doesn't show you much, but it seems to work. (laughs) You've already got it? Don't know why we're advertising it. It's on on your computer. You can't avoid it. It literally is free. And check it out. (laughs) Just just type voice into your Cortana area. (laughs) Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft. Cortana. I love that. I like that. Anyhow, we're back. Ryan, hi. How are you? Hi. I like that Microsoft was like, you know, that Halo... Lady is so popular. Let's let's put her in Windows. They were like, Windows <laughs> needs tits. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. Listen, I as you know, I'm not a fan of Halo. Uh because Halo has one enemy that's like it's like a little like Pac-Man with arms who's like, ah! it's like a little Danny DeVito covered in paper mache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have like a Danny DeVito, like some kind of like like Danny DeVito. Is Danny DeVito like a monster in Monsters Inc.? I feel like he is. I don't know. Maybe not, but like so. He should, should be. be, but like it, in Monsters Inc., there's like that one little monster who's like Mike Wazowski. Hairy. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have like in Halo, you're like, uh, you know, you're like of some kind of hard ass soldier, and then like you also shoot those guys for some reason, which I never really understood. So that's why I don't play Halo, and also I, it's like very, it's just not for me, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, but I do respect that Microsoft was like, let's take this beloved female voice or computer maybe from our video game and put it in our operating system. I think that's a bold move and I salute them and applaud them. When will Clippy? I, when will Clippy show up in Halo? I mean, if they were smart. They do like Clippy's adventure, like Clippy's quest and they make like a crazy ultra ray trace. Like they do whatever. Why like, the did they buy rare if not to make a Clippy? Like, I mean, Clip, you make Clippy's, Clippy's, Clippy's quest and it, it's like quest is spelled with a C, <laughs> and then but it's got like the the thing underneath it, the little wiggle that says it's misspelled because like that's what he does. It looks like you're trying to achieve some uh, some collectibles. It looks like you're <laughs> yes, trying to finish know, the like, game. It's like on the cover, it's like it looks like you're trying to spell quest. <laughs> it's like Clippy. Anyhow, Clippy's quest. You know, he goes through like ten heart stopping levels of like. He's like inside your docks, you know. There, imagine a three D world that's built out of Microsoft Word documents. Okay, I want you to just right. And there's a level where it's the, um, you know, the strip with all the controls on it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole level where it's built out of that. You know, the more I the more I say it, all his weapons are about punctuation. It, like you upgrade from yes. The, oh my god, from the question mark to like an ampersand. Yes! Oh my god, you could lasso things with the question mark and you can like stab stuff with the exclamation mark and you you get like the asterisk is like a fireball. Periods or are his little pellet period. gun. Yeah, or he picks up periods like for power. Like Pac-Man. Yeah, like Pac-Man. But they're but this isn't Pac-Man. This is Clippy. This is his quest. And it actually is Clippy 
gendered. I don't want to be like woke or whatever. But this like, is their quest. Yeah, this is their quest. I mean, I, I actually now that I'm thinking of it, like I can't remember if like Clippy is supposed to be a like a boy character or not. Do we know? I don't think we were ever told. And I think it's up I to guess, Clippy. I guess what I'm asking is, does Clippy have a cock? Okay, I guess. And if so, is it is it a boy cock or a like, girl cock? And what kind? Yeah. And 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 is it is it just a bent part of his body? Is it just another extension of his of his body? You know, like an extra curve, <laughs> an extra curve of the bent. clip, as they say. Yeah. Anyhow, this is great stuff, and I'm glad that I'm so glad we returned. We took a little uh, we took a little break, a little breather after that Paul Ford episode. We were just like, you know what, we got to cool down. How can we, we top cool it? Up. We got to cool off. We got to. Um, this is too hot for pod the podcast for podcast culture. You know, too hot for the podcast app. <laughs> too hot. We made Red Scare look like Blue Scare. <laughs> you know, that's how hot it was. That's how provocative it was. And anyhow, is it Blue Scare just Pod Save the World? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't even. I don't know. I've listened to one Red Scare episode, and so I can't comment uh, too much, except that. Uh, I loved it. I love everything they're doing over there, and I support them. Um, but uh, anyhow, so yeah, we took a little break. I don't. We may go to our schedules have been very hectic lately. I think we should say that as 2021 has gotten into full swing, uh, uh, Ryan and I have been very busy with many, many projects, which we're going to just be vaguely referencing here. Um, but uh, and so I maybe we'll go to like a two week every two week schedule. Maybe maybe not. You know, with us. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's really about where our heart is. It's not about it, it, you moment. know. Sometimes you need downtime just to recharge, but also, it we're very overbooked, and we would rather give you a good podcast where we're present than one where yeah. we're like we have to do this in forty minutes and get out and like we're answering slacks while we're doing it. Like that's not right. a good. No, that's bad. No. And if you feel right, it is that you have to ask? You know, is the artist present? If the artist <laughs> isn't present, why would anybody bother sitting down in the chair? You know, I want you to think about that. I want you to Google and get back to me, Tony. Um, but anyhow, the artist is present today and uh, both artists are present and we have a lot to talk about. I assume I have no idea what we're actually going to talk about, but I know that Ryan, you always come very prepared. Well, uh, um, not to change notes to a downer, but I would like at the top of the show just to acknowledge yeah. the horrible tragedy that is happening in the U.S. at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a, a mass shooter who uh, killed eight people. Um, and obviously the Asian American Pacific Islander community is being hit extremely hard by it because um, contrary to what the sheriff of that town says, it is absolutely a hate crime. Uh, Definitely a hate crime. To kill a bunch of Asian people and yell, I want to kill all the Asians. Uh, that is something like the definition of a hate crime, but. And, and, and no, it's a, it's and the, 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 the extremely, the ultimately most depressing part of this is that this is not, like a situation where, you know, sometimes things happen. And people go, no one saw this coming. I mean, there has been a drumbeat of a steady drumbeat of a huge rise in, um, in violent assaults and attacks on Asian Americans. And, and, and it is something like, I, I do think there are, I mean, I hope this is a moment where people stop and go, wait, maybe, maybe we like, 
what we might have written off as not a big deal or not important or we wouldn't need to pay attention to this changes. And and I'll, I'll admit that like this is I, – and I don't know if it's because of I'm reading less news lately in a post-Trump world or because the news organizations are doing a poor job of covering these stories. That may very well be the case. Um but it, I think, I think for a lot of people, this was like, well, it seems like something's happening, but it's not clear, like just how bad it is, or just how big of a deal it is. And it's like, you know, there's a whole, I mean, there is, there are, and again, like Asian Americans are not a monolithic group of people, but, but this violence, the stuff that's happening right now, is monolithic in its, in its direction. Meaning, what I mean is like Trump spent the last couple of years, especially the last year, turning, um. Asian people into targets in this country by just spewing vile racist shit about about in about what's happening in America and what's happening outside of America and that has like these are the real world consequences of and I just like I don't want to go back to talking about Trump because like it's really nice that we're not talking about Trump but I will say what this is what happens when you let a white supremacist into the highest office in the land and you let him say whatever he wants to the large population of America. What it does is it makes pe- it emboldens people to think that their horrible ideas are justified. And like, I do think there is a direct line. Like I would love, I mean, I know it's never going to happen, but like, this is like the blood of the, of these people that were killed is on that dude's hands and all of the people who surrounded him and, and, and propped him up and allowed him to do what he did without stepping in and saying this is wrong. We a fucking Mitch McConnell who is married to an Asian woman. So I hope it's hitting especially hard for him that like he feels nothing. This is but this is his creation because he uh condoned it, he allowed it, he didn't speak out on it. And I mean this goes for a lot of people. But like you know, we it's so fucking depressing. I mean it's supposed to be wrong to say and to think and to act like a racist in America. That's supposed to be something that we all agree. I mean, just like, I'm not saying we all get it right. Listen, they don't have an ideology. They have aesthetics and a reaction. They're reactionaries with aesthetics of like family values, God and country. Like they say these things, those aren't ideologies. Those are sticker stickers. Those are bumper stickers. Those are patches on their jean jackets. Um, and they yeah. react to things however it suits them in the moment. The only Here, thing that they ever seem to protect is white supremacy and the rich. And so if those are the things that you like, and just come out and say it. But the problem is they're even on top of all of that, on top of all of those things that I think are detestable in people, they're liars about it. And so yeah. I, I just I, I have zero patience and, and, and it's difficult because when stuff like this happens, it is very clear and it is very obvious who is the cause. It is very, very obvious that what the, the enormous rise in hate crimes against Asian people, a, against Pacific Islanders, is is not unrelated to calling the global pandemic the worst disaster in my lifetime, which has been filled with disasters and wars, um, <laughs> the China flu. I, I feel bad even saying it out loud, but we have to say what he no, said. But that's, but that's what, I mean, the guy, the, the president of the United States was using like, literally using like dirtbag slime fucking like slang to describe like a thing with a name that has, I mean, basically besides being like the country of origin has nothing to do. There is no like Chinese anything. It's like, it's, it's a fucking virus. It originated in a place. It's like, it has nothing to do with a group of people. But listen, uh, hate speech is a form of violence that 
leads to uh, real violence, you know? And like, this is, Donald Trump was a white supremacist who was in the White House who like just propagated hatred and violence throughout this country. And now we've got to find some way to vaccinate ourselves. <laughs> we need some bleach in the veins. We need some, what is it? What was his thing? Clorox gonna, in the veins. Yeah. Or like Clorox in your lungs. I, I, yeah. We need Clorox I've tried through to the suppress. veins. <laughs> we, we need uh, Clorox and bright light through the veins of America. Um, and, uh, and then we all need to get the vaccine. Okay. Anyhow. All right. What else is, what else is happening? Maybe we should something... talk about our big scoop. We've yet to talk about our big scoop on the site. Um, Edgar and our team, our style section team have been working on uh, this story, which continues to unfold that a Nike, a VP, uh, was reported multiple times to upper level staff, um, that her son was running a reselling business using her, uh, position as leverage and obviously making quite a quite a lot of income on the back of the Nike brand and on the back of Nike's fans and customers uh, against the co company's stated ethical policies. Um, and Nike looked the other way for a long time in a way that it didn't for people of color at the company. And I think it ties in perfectly to say, this is a, a great example of the kind of soft power uh, behind the scenes that yeah. white people can wield. And uh, it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it, Nike is, is, is not a company that, that, uh, that has a clean record on issues like this. And I think, especially for a company who's, who's, who's such a diverse customer base, it's pretty shocking and it's pretty egregious. Yeah. I mean, what I thought was so interesting about this is just this idea that people at the company had actually reported this behavior from, uh, I guess, you know, this, this VP's like kid and what was going on with the discounts and stuff. And, and, you know, the company basically was like, no, it's fine. Like, we're not going to react to that. We're not going to do anything about it. Um, I think it's, you know, it's pretty crazy that also Nike's out there kind of saying like, we, you know, we weren't aware of this or we didn't know what was going on. And like, obviously there were people talking about it happening and flagging it and they were just not responding. I listen, is this the worst thing in the world that Nike's ever done? Like, obviously, I mean, we could talk for a while. I love Nike. They make great shit, but like, there's some problems. Like the company's problematic and I mean, they've had ways. child slaves. That's a documented you know, real thing that they have. That's, that's yeah. I mean, like it's an, it's a, uh, a company with some, some issues in its past. And also it's a company that's done some great shit, you know, like the, the stuff they did with Kaepernick. Like, I mean, the fact that they kind of like got out in front and we're like, we're going to support this person and we're going to pay the money to be in our ads and we're going to promote their, you know, their causes. Like, that's pretty great. But what's interesting about this is you've got, I know it's not a big deal, but it just seems so easy to prevent this, to just go, you know, Hey, listen, I get it. Your kid is doing this, but you know, knock it off. It's a bad look for yeah, us. Tell your kid it's to get not, a job. It's not, it just is like, imagine by the way, being this, I just want to say like, you're a VP at Nike. Okay. You've worked your ass off. You're like, you got a senior job at the company. <laughs> Wouldn't you just say to your kid, Hey, uh, this, this is done. No, we shouldn't do this. Not this totally is a bad, worth it. It's a bad look. I, if it were me, not worth it. I mean, it'd be like, it's like this. Okay. There are, listen, at the, uh, of course, we're not going into the offices currently because of the pandemic, but let's say we were. At the offices, there's lots of computers all over the office, okay? This is like, 
I, like Zelda comes into work with me one day and takes a bunch of computers and leaves with them. You know, I'd probably be like, hey, you're not allowed to have those. Like, that's don't do that. I'll get fired. You just like there are some things you can just do as a parent to go. Yeah, that's a that's bad. Stop that. You would think this would be one of them. Like you'd go, let's not let's not abuse my position at a company that I've clearly worked at for a long time and worked my ass off at. Let's not abuse my position here. So especially it's, when it's, other people, black people or people of other races are their kids came in and tried to take one and they well, were fired for it. Well, of course, remember, I mean, who knows what their what what her awareness was of any of that? I don't know, you know, but like I don't want to assume, but let's just for the record, whoever at Nike was making the call, who was the person that was like, yeah, one thing is fine. The other one isn't like there's a person somewhere. Who was it? That's what I want to know. I want to know who that person was and I want to know why they made those decisions. There's no way. I mean, maybe it was the CEO. I, I doubt it, you know. Yeah, but, but the buck stops somewhere, and and I think well, you know. And where does it stop? That's the question. Where does it stop here? And I think you know, it it, it definitely raises uh. It it definitely raises questions just about how what the kind of like listen, Nike's a big company. They have a lot of cultural cachet. I mean, they are they are they are a culturally significant company. They are one of America's like best known iconic companies. I mean, they are like a McDonald's level icon of american industry and industriousness and you they're know, the apple of feet they're the apple of feet which is exactly how i've described them to many people <laughs> on a regular basis so like so like where what you know get your shit together get your shit together do better yeah this is not this is not rocket science it's not even that complicated i mean i don't know listen i get it people things slip through the cracks but this feels a lot more like somebody decided to apply one set of rules to one person and another set of rules yeah. to other people. It's, it's, and it it's doesn't almost look... as if someone pushed it through the cracks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's not a good, like the way it seems to be breaking down based on the reporting that our team has done is like, it doesn't look really good, especially for a company that wants to embrace diversity and embrace like, you know, different cultures and, you know, all of their advertising is like, it's so like we're we get it we're here for you like we're down with whatever's going on with you like we're we want to be part of it and meanwhile they're actually like oh no we're pretty like white centric mostly we're actually pretty into white people <laughs> and everybody else is yeah eh. so anyway yeah so read the story yeah it's very good Explosive. and by the way i mean just to to edgar's credit should have had edgar on Edgar's literally. Edgar's furiously working on this right now, though. So. <laughs> I don't furiously think he wants working. to take a forty minutes out to talk to us, chuckle. <laughs> no, it's true. Furiously working on the next on the next chapter of this, but like, uh, but um, you know, he's he's like getting some great stories here, and 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 I would say also this, like one thing is the the these stories come from a place of love from Edgar and from the team that is working on these. Like we, everybody's like, I would just say input. We we love Nike. Everybody here, like, I mean, when we like when we talk about shoes and when we're like, oh, shit, should I buy these? I mean, we're all like, yeah, it's like nine times out of ten. It's Nikes. But like but it, I think the criticism, the critic, not even criticism, but being critical about the company comes from a place of love for the company, meaning like I think if this there are a lot of companies that like, you know, you expect this behavior from. And I think what's interesting is that I feel like it's a little bit of a surprise to everyone that Nike would let something slide like this when they've done 
put so much effort into trying to raise the bar and so and speak on it, not just be like, hey, quietly we're doing stuff, but like we want to make it a central part of our narrative. Yeah, they want to so, be different. And and they and of course the people who work there, the designers, I mean, the work is impeccable. But that's what makes it so frustrating is that yeah. you know their sneakers app is a perfect example of you've cultivated a market in which people have to work really hard and pay a lot of money to have your product. And you're exploiting it in in the background on the back end um, dishonestly. And that's just yeah. not a, that's not a, that's um, hopefully this is an issue that they can resolve and clean up because there are some upcoming drops that I would like to purchase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to get, I, listen, spring is coming. <laughs> Um, there is, uh, we're getting the vaccines are rolling out. People are going to want to be looking at my shoes. So Nike, help me help you. <laughs> okay. Anyhow, it's great stuff and you should read it. Read all of it. We've been tracking it closely. All right. What else? What else is what else great is news? Oh my God. The UK has officially ruled that Uber must recognize its drivers as workers and give them benefits and treat them, you know to a minimum wage uh which is uber huge yeah. difference from what happened in california um obviously that was a that was uh a proposition that was bungled uh i believe by the population um and intentionally uh done by uber but i you know i i think if this if uber has a sustainable business in the uk it is proof that you can they can <laughs> you know make that model work around the world and that all of their excuses are are i mean it's the same thing with mcdonald's right like everyone says why am i going to pay you 25 dollars to work at mcdonald's how much my burger going to cost well you know in many countries they do do that and the burgers cost a few cents more a few cents and those people have a much higher quality of life and i think this is a perfect example of like if this works in the uk yeah i mean what's what's the big difference in new york I, i like i would love to know i mean i think um you know, I think for sure, like, I mean, it'll be interesting to see just because I feel like we're in such a, uh, we're in such a weird place right now that like with, with Uber's business, generally speaking, um, that it's like, uh, do, does Uber have a business? Like, is Uber a thing? I mean, maybe Uber is like, its business is better now because people don't want to be on public transportation or something. But like, I think there's a big test about, Obviously, this is a partially it's like, can you have a business that is fair to its employees, but also, you know, can you have a business full stop? I mean, I would say like there's don't you think there's a little bit of an open question? Sure. About and this? I think the, the more that self-driving cars that that industry develops, I mean, it's you know, it, maybe it is 10 years. But if you're a company the size of Uber, that is nothing. That is no time at all for you to have a sustainable model. I mean, it's a whole industry, right? Like also like cabs will continue to exist and be licensed by cities and um i think uber had one great innovation which was their app and then like hit a button and a car knows to come to you that's great nobody likes to hail cabs uh but everything other than that i mean from surge pricing to the way they treat their drivers to their safety issues to the you know the way handicapped or disabled people have to work around uber it's you know it's not great. And if Uber isn't ready to step up to the plate and start treating people the way they deserve to be treated, they're going to get left in the past. And at some point, self-driving cars are going to come down the pike. And unless we decide that we, you know, that we think that these workers have great jobs and we want to, you know, support this company. I mean, at some point, I'm just going to hit a button and a pod's going to appear and I'll get in the pod, right? Like, so I, I don't know what their business model is, but I know it certainly isn't like 
crushing labor rights isn't gonna isn't gonna keep the the lights on. I mean, has Uber turned a profit yet? No, right? So like, uh, yeah, I I don't I'm not following their financials closely, but uh, uh, I will say that. It would be news to me if they have turned a profit. I can tell you that. Um, so I don't. Uh, I, if I were, I, if I were a betting man who was not ethically bound to not do such a thing, I would maybe be shorting Uber because I just don't think that they're. I don't. I've never thought that their company was long term, and I've never thought that their company was worth the amount of money, um, the valuation. Because really, when it comes down to it, it's the brand, right? Like the only reason you would pick Uber over the nine hundred clones or a cab is the brand. And if the brand is crushing labor rights, I mean, how valuable is that brand? You know, it can be a household name, but if everybody hates it, you know, Cablevision's a household name. <laughs> Nobody, like, in New York likes them. Um, I think if I were Uber, I would take this UK ruling as a shot across the bow to, like, step it up across the board. Um, but good for the drivers in the UK. I mean, you know, I, you hear stories of Uber drivers who are barely turning out a live like like a livable not even a livable a barely turning out a minimum wage um and assuming all the risk for that company uh and i don't i think people are more conscious of that every day i think like you know even my parents when they talk about uber they know that it's like not a good company it, like, do, do they yeah do they oh, know that? totally totally well, listen, I mean, I, 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 uh, I hope that when I'm back out in the world, uh, I can get into an Uber that's driven by uh, a, a person who is, has like, you know, is getting treated fairly. I think that'd be an amazing innovation for Uber. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about NFTs? I I've I always want to talk about NFTs. What I love, is going I love nifties. On? Well, let me. I want to just say something about nifties real quick. We wrote a story December. 15th 2020 i do you remember yeah. i was actually just thinking about this the other day i came into our our slack uh like in october or something i was like hey these crypto art exchanges are really interesting we should do something on them i was like this is i think this is going to be a thing i'm not trying to pat myself on the back but maybe a little a little padding just a tiny bit of self-pat um and we did a, a feature which is great about how these crypto uh, these literally, our story is called like crypto art art auctions are about to blow up, or no, a crypto art. What the fuck is it? It's like crypto art houses are about to blow up the auction house or something. Art exchanges, crypto art exchanges about to blow up the auction house, and it was basically about what has happened. Where it's like this is going to turn the art world on its ear. It's a completely new way of doing this. It's an untapped, you know, area with huge potential. I what I thought. And I still think is like it's one of the first really obvious things for a typical person who really doesn't want to think about, talk about, like can't understand really what Bitcoin is or what crypto is. When you go, okay, so it's like this piece of art has a signature and the signature makes it it makes it real, like it makes it the original and you can't change that. People understand that, right? They, I think they really understand that in the way that they don't understand many other things about, uh, you know, about like cryptocurrency or about, you know, crypto mining or about Bitcoin. But I think when you tell them that, they're like, oh, like how a print works, right? Like you can get a signed print from an artist and it's like they'll sign a hundred of those prints. It's like it could be fucking made on a Xerox machine, but if they signed the first hundred, those have, have value, right? Mm -hmm. 
and the original really has value, right? Because that's the original. And like, even if you make a million copies of that piece of art and everybody can have it, some of them are more valuable than others because they're the original, right? Mm -hmm. And you're not paying for the printing. You're not paying for the paper. You're paying for the idea, right? Yeah. The idea that a thing has an intangible value, some kind of magical, spiritual, intangible value, which of course, when we get right down to it, I mean, of course, this goes for money as well. When we get down to the core of it, to the bottom of it, it sort of you like all life makes no sense. You know, you're kind of like, what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? Well, I think it to me, I get it. Why I get why it's a big deal. I get why the art world wants it to be a big deal. I get why collectors are hype as shit. I mean, like our brains are built to be like, I want to own it. I want, I understand it's a scarce amount and it's got to be mine and it's fun to right. get it. That is true. I go to a Marshall's and I will hunt like I am in the Pride Lands. But what I don't, what bothers me is that the promise of the digital world, the promise of the internet was the infinite copyability of things, was that there was no original, every copy is equal. And that if you, if, if you, if you were so poor that you can't get to a library, you can go on BitTorrent and, and educate yourself. You can get as much information as your brain can absorb in 24 hours every day. And right. I think the artificial scarcity of this stuff, I get it. It's better. It's decentralized. It is better than what we have at the moment. I 100% agree. But I just would like a world. I mean, I've had this. I own a bunch of Bitcoin, right? Full disclosure. Um I've had this discussion a bunch of times in our Slack with Evan, who's like a huge crypto guy. He loves it. Um, yeah. I would like to be in a world where there is no money, so there is no scarcity, because I don't think we need it. And I don't think we I need love a system where, like, I have a certain number of tokens, so I get to travel, and you don't have enough tokens, so you can't go on a plane. Like, that, that seems silly. And, like, so with the art thing, I, I get it, because you want proof, right? And it is better than... Sotheby's owning everything or well or, yeah or, or I mean, deciding it, who has a real piece of art to sell and who doesn't right like you have to get your art into an art house for it to be valid now you don't now you are equal because your thing is a, is a coin just like anything else but in my mind I would rather artists not require that to make art I would rather a world where art is infinitely copyable and we all can enjoy it and you know I don't know how we get there but it's hard for me to jump on board because it feels like a half step. And I know that more is possible with the technology we have. It's just not possible for us psychologically. And well, the, that's the bigger, the bigger problem is, is that, um, it uses an enormous amount of energy yeah. to create these it, to mine cryptocurrency. I mean, this is, I mean, maybe it's not the bigger problem, but like, it's a I huge do problem. think, I do think that, um, you know, we have to reckon with the possibility. We have to reckon with the possibility that not everything we want to do is a good idea. And just because it can do, we can do it or it can be done. It's a good idea. And so I'm, I'm really, I really want people to start. And listen, I'm not like, oh, you know, everything's about the environment. Okay. But I do think more things need to be about the environment. Right. Well, I do and think it, like if we don't fix that one problem. None of the other problems yeah. matter. It, it doesn't matter how much cryptocurrency you're going to have, you have when like you're underwater, yeah. when your computer is like floating because 
we've flooded the planet because of global warming and a million other things that we're doing. Like, like it will not be currency will not be your biggest problem in 50 years. Probably like how much cryptocurrency you have will probably not be your biggest problem. There are going to be other problems. And I think like we do want to think about how we stop repeating these past mistakes, um, which seems so, we seem so doomed to repeat, you know, we're sort of like at a place where it's, you know, suddenly people are starting to come up with like there's so many interesting things going on in renewable energy you know um ge has these massive new turbines that are like generate huge amounts of energy and i like that's a really exciting things like that are happening we're starting to figure out how cities can be greener how you know electric cars now those have other issues but for the most part if we could switch every car to electric today we would find i mean like the pandemic itself like we could see noticeable differences in the like the atmosphere of the planet, yeah. you know, and um, I think it's like I think it's like we really do need to stop for a second and say, like, it's sure this is fun right now. And yes, you can make money at it. But like at what cost? And are we making a mistake? Are we repeating a mistake that we've made before? And like, can we do something better than this? Or can we find a way? You know, people talk about carbon offsets and all this stuff. It's like, dude, now you're talking about carbon offsets for art. Like, how can we not be better than this? Yeah, and, and right? I think it, there, there are alternatives. And for something that has so much money flowing into it right now, there's no reason that you couldn't institute some sort of regulation or rule that says all renewable energy, anything created for this, anything created for crypto, anything created for NIFTYs has to be done on all renewable energy. It's it, it, that, That's a thing we can do. We just don't have yeah, the willingness. I mean, if you do it and you're willing to wait, you know, because it's like there's... I mean, the kind of energy needs we're talking about, I mean, it, it's it's massive. And if this gets more popular, it's only going to grow. And so, I mean, I'm I I'm sort of like, listen, I I think there's something really interesting about it. I think there is something fascinating about the idea that we're transposing concepts from the art world and about like sort of historically about objects like scarcity um and and or you know uh authenticity authenticity yes i think there's something really exciting about that becoming a, a type of a type of a, a value that we care about right yeah. like i think there's something really interesting there and we should explore it and we should not stop people from experimenting but like we also need to figure out like how i mean can we do it better the problem is like here we are and listen, there's a lot of hype on it right now, and like the hype will go away, and there, then there's going to be other things to talk about. But like, can we do better than, um, you know, repeating these same mistakes over and over again, and not really uh, learning from them, and not trying to be better, or or even conceiving of the better option? And so, so I think like, I think like th th there's. I'm glad that people are taking this this chance and playing around and experimenting. And honestly, like there's so little that's fun and new in the world. So many there's so few things that are like really actually interesting. This is one of I would say this is truly an interesting development um, in the tech world, in the art world, in the world of finance. And like it does cross all of those things. I mean, that's one of the things that I think is most fascinating about it is, I mean, in the fashion world, Gucci is doing you know, they're selling shoes, limited edition, virtual sneakers that you can like put on your feet virtually, which is, you know, got to hand it to them. Got to hand it to them. Got to have a gimmick. <laughs>
I gotta have a gimmick. But like, I think that um, at some point, like, we just want to try to not do the same thing over and over again. And y- you know, the, the things that we've created the in in the industries that have 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 cropped up throughout history, very often progress progress is um comes at the expense of lives and livelihoods and 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 the the planet and in people's well-being and like and it does not have to those two things don't have to be it it doesn't right it doesn't have to but the but capitalism demands scale you know yeah and so any good idea you know Laura and I talk about it. We say, like, "Oh, they Krispy creamed it." Every time, like somebody does, like what we work did, right? They we work was like we work's a cool idea. Like we have these like kind of office spaces. Yeah, anybody can get them. It's like you know, it's not so expensive. If you have a small company, you're just starting. You can we have all the stuff there for you. And that's like, oh, that's a great idea. And they did a couple here and a couple there. And people are like that's a great idea. And then suddenly, like we works were everywhere. Like most buildings were we works at one point. Maybe still true. We the we work company was the largest leaser of office space in new york okay but like you know obviously they didn't see the pandemic coming but they also grossly mismanaged their business they crispy creamed they got too big too fast because they because capitalism and their de- investors demanded it and i do think like it would be nice once in a while to not crispy cream everything it would be nice by the way if you don't understand the reference crispy cream was this um like i don't know where they started California, maybe, maybe Canada. Maybe they were like Atlanta, somewhere. Atlanta. I don't know. They were like a real good donut shop. I mean, they would and, make the donuts in front of you, and they were fresh and fucking amazing. Like, yeah, amazing. And they were really good. And then, and then they got like VC money or something. And then they, the VCs were like, "Hey, what if there was a Krispy Kreme every fucking everywhere, every literally everywhere, town, every like, shopping center, every what if." What if, like, you couldn't turn around without seeing a Krispy Kreme? What if we put a little Krispy Kreme box inside of 7-Eleven? What if Krispy Kreme, what if when you opened your trunk, there was, like, a hidden compartment inside there? There was there, merch. There was, tiny, there was, there was a tiny Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Well, let's do, right. Let's Sneakers. do Krispy Kreme makeup. Anyhow, long story short, Krispy Kreme, like, basically went out of business. Because, like, people were like, yeah, I like Krispy Kreme, but, like, not that much. Also, like, you know? I just can't eat that many donuts. Like, But also, also, it's, like, one of the things that was charming and good about Krispy Kreme was that it was, like, scarce. And it was special, you, yeah. You had to go somewhere to get, oh, shit, the, the nearest Krispy Kreme It's like, 50 miles away. Fuck it, man. People Let's drive there. People fly on a Krispy plane Kreme. with them in their lap to be like, I'm going to give these to my kids when I get home. It's like the Cronut. Remember the Cronut? Yeah. People would line up for the Cronut, okay? You put the Cronut in every shop in New York. Nobody cares about the Cronut. Yeah. Which actually brings us full circle to the Nifty conversation. So in a way, like actually my one – I would say my number one gripe with Nifties right now is that the marketplaces exist with no – very little to no gatekeeping in terms of quality. Yeah. And so like the the actual art, like if we just get down to the idea of like this is a collectible art that has value, a lot of it is bad, fucking bad. Like just shitty, dumb ugly art that sucks made by people who are amateurs and it looks like that and like listen good for you i'm glad you're trying to do it maybe you're going to become a millionaire because you made some amateur art and i'm not saying i'm not a professional art critic but like like porno i know it when i see it and i can tell you i ain't seeing a lot of it on the on the exchanges okay i'm seeing a lot of shit that is uh like okay you think you can make a quick buck because like you did like some ms paint shit um, so there are some real standouts. There are some, there is some really great art being done. And then there's some stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff 
that is uh, not good. And, and there is no quality control. There's no gatekeepers. And that's, again, there's a positive spin there, right? It's great there's no gatekeepers. But it's also bad because, like, art isn't just, like, it isn't just what you can sell. I mean, obviously, that's a component of it. But there is, like, this idea that it is, like, you know, evocative in a certain way to a certain group. And I don't mean a special group of people, but to a group of people that it becomes evocative and meaningful to that group of people in a way that it has value. And it's, like, Art isn't just like you made a thing and it's art now, right? Like, it's like it's like the whole Jackson Pollock debate. It's like you know Jackson Pollock. People are like, let's just my kid could do that. Like, I could splatter some paint. It's like, yeah, okay, you could, and you maybe you will. But this is art, and the shit you'll make isn't. Well, that's the Andy Warhol thing of like anybody can paint a Campbell soup can. Well, then why didn't you? No, but that's and that's what's so interesting. Is by the way, I mean a that is a profound artistic statement. Right. Yeah. Like the idea of that alone is just like mind bogglingly interesting and good. But like it's so you're you, what we see now is like a lot of the nifty stuff. Like I think what might actually kill nifties is the saturation of, of of of, you know, what's cool about things that are collectible is if they're really good and cool and you want them. What's not cool about things like they're crisp, kind of crispy, creamy right now. What's not cool is if everybody does it and everybody's got one, everyone's selling one and they're all going for like $5 a piece and nobody really gives a shit and only like then you get like Beeple who Beeple – like Beeple's been like people – and by the way, Beeple's art is fine, whatever. But people have been talking about – I've been seeing Beeple shit on Tumblr for a decade, okay? Beeple's like a classic internet art guy. Like it's fine. I like it. Not really for me but like I understand why people like it. But like now Beep, people are like Beeple. You know, they're like – he's like the Banksy of internet art. And it's like, okay, but Beeple's like one guy, you know? For art to thrive, it can't be one guy, you know? Picasso's great, and a lot of people know just Picasso, but Picasso is surrounded by millions of fucking artists, like maybe not millions, certainly tens of th thousands, hundreds of thousands maybe, of art that came before it and came after it and is all building on a story. And like right now the story feels like it's a, like a lot of fan fiction, and not a lot of novelists in there. Like, not by the way, fanfic can be great, by the way. Like, I'm not saying there aren't any truly artistic. There's yeah, a lot of truly you, artistic you, you, fan fiction. Yeah, let, let's not. It's self, a lot of self published. Let's a lot of self published. Confused. Once upon a time, I had a good time. The end with like a yeah. story. Like, right, right. Like, I'm just saying, like, anybody could self publish. Okay. And sometimes, once in a while, the self published book is amazing. But, like, you know, Sally Rooney has like a publisher. You know, Sally Rooney had to go through a... I'm not saying Sally Rooney is the greatest author ever. She's not. But, like, yeah, you understand my point. We're, we're all Roonhounds here. We need a... We're, I don't think that's what her fan base is called, but we should come up with a name. Like, uh... I don't know. I can't think of it right now. But the point is... Uh, art isn't just valuable because people can bid on it. There are other reasons it has value, and I think one of the things that might be missing at the moment is the uh, curation. The curation, and some more of like, actually, why is this good or bad, and what are we looking at, and what's the like, what are we, you know, let's talk about why this is art. Let's think about why this is art. What, it, like, what is this doing here and now that's special about it? I think people actually, I think you can see the difference between what Beeple does and what a lot of other stuff is doing on these exchanges. 
and like it's clear Beeple is an artist. Beeple has 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 sunk blood, sweat, and tears into developing a style that is very Beeple and very different and special. Um, anyhow, but like, I'm not saying you have to like Beeple, but you can definitely appreciate that what he's doing is a very developed, very thoughtful form of art. Some of these feel like. They're like, I did a sketch, and could I make $5 on it if I just made a nifty? You know, that's that's another thing. That's a whole other thing. You're just like Picasso trying to pay for his coffee. And, you know, honestly, that's that stuff is a bit like worth millions now. So what do I know? Um, on another topic, can we talk yeah. about how creepy Google's new Nest Hub 2 is? Is this the thing that, like, watches you sleep? Yes. It like I mean, listen. It scans you. It watches you sleep. I don't like sleep tech in general, but I yeah. certainly don't like it when it's like watching me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's there's something comforting about the fact that you know it. it you know, if if you're in, you know, REM sleep, it'll start like maybe it'll know that you're highly susceptible to advertising, and it'll just turn <laughs> on a, some ads for like. I don't know, Krispy Kreme donuts. I'll be like, when you wake up, wouldn't the Krispy Kreme be good? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, we don't fuck with that in our house. I think I've told you this before. Yeah. We don't have any of these sound things with the voices. We don't have any assistance. Like, I don't want Zelda talking to a person, a computer. I don't want... I mean, she talks to Siri once in a while because it's on her iPad, but, like, it's a very I don't secondary. want any cameras or recording devices in my room unless I play. I would not put. <laughs> I would not put them in the bed. I mean, yeah, if I'm gonna have a camera in the bedroom, I'll be, have personally set it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like I per. I don't want. I had nothing at all appealing to me about a camera just hanging out, pointed at anywhere near like my the places I hang out privately. Like, like I don't. You know. It just feels like an unnecessary. We we like we have enough opportunities to to interact with people and things all day long. I and I totally understand like why there is a convenience factor, and you kind of like, you know, I I like I see why people use these things, and I think there are reasons, and they're good, and like I totally understand it. But also, I think when it comes to like a camera. Certainly, one that like is will analyze your sleep by watching you. You know, I I do think we're we're maybe getting into a, a little zone where a little At bit some unlikely. point log off if you're dreaming you can log off. I mean, once again, once again, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I mean, you the, know, doesn't anybody the story of the 21st century really is? I mean, doesn't anybody ever go? You know, what are people going to think about it watching them sleep? Maybe that's just like we don't need to do it. No, nobody does that. Right. I think they should hire people to do that. Ethicists of some kind. But Google doesn't really have a great track record with ethicists, so. No, they do not. No. I mean, none of these companies seem to be aware of what human beings are like. Apple seems to try. Do they understand it? I'm not sure. I mean, I mean kind they, of, but they're, like. They're, but they're like, putting I, in a performative attempt. But like I'll do okay, I hear you on that, but like take a video on your phone, then open up the photos app on your computer and see what happens. Oh, I know. You know, I know. like like yeah. like like they may they may understand some aspects of people, but then I feel like there's many like check out your notifications. When's the last time you've like willingly interacted with a notification on your iPhone? Like have you ever I think do the only ever thing I've used... ever done is if I'm busy and I see someone 
responded to a tweet and I don't really have anything to say to them, I'll tap it and hit like, but that's it. Yeah, I... Otherwise, I'm just clearing them. I'm making them go away. Yeah, I mean, Apple's very good in many ways, but then there are things they do that are like, you know, it's like, what what, what planet did you come from? Do you ever... I often think when I'm using my iPhone, do you... Have you... Like, Tim Cook... Has Tim Cook ever used his iPhone? <laughs> and maybe he hasn't. You know, I always think these guys, like, they must have an assistant or something that does all their... They all have voice. Yeah, and like... They like they don't they don't know what it's like to have a lot of notifications and have it just be a shitty ass mess that sucks. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people just turn them off now. They're like, I just can't. I mean, there's a they huge don't. trend on Gen Z uh, TikTok and YouTube, which is um, and I've suggested we write about this, but we haven't gotten to it. So please don't steal the idea. Um, <laughs> um, there's a huge trend on Gen Z TikTok and YouTube, which is I purchase a cellular enabled iPad. And I have a flip phone and I take the iPad out when I want to be fully engaged with what I'm going to do like digitally. And then for the rest of the time, I don't have this little thing in my hand that I'm walking around in front of my face. Like it's gone. And I think that that in many ways makes sense to be like, like millennials very much have like an addiction to their phones. I think, oh my God, I was spent the weekend with some boomer family members and uh, all vaccinated. And um, it was... I was shocked. We were hiking and they all had their phones up the whole time. And I was like, your generation. But it's true. I mean, like, for the people that did not have it before, it seems so crazy that you would give it up now. But for people who've always had it and don't think it's this special thing or that they don't have to respond to every message or it's just the novelty isn't there or the, like, feeling like the the the, the responsibility that you, you know, I, I, I have my phone, I might as well check. Um, if, it, if it's always going to be there and you feel like it's always going to be there, you know, then the work becomes finding escapes from it. Um, and I think I don't I don't envision a future where everyone's phones are watching them sleep and then they wake up and get told how good they are at sleeping. Like I I, it, I have just never yeah. seen that be successful in the real world. Well, you know, it's a new age. Maybe we'll all go back to Stone Age. Maybe all of us. I mean, or, you know, maybe I'm, re- uh... I'm ready. I'm ready, bro. All right. Let's talk about nice things. <laughs> Let's do nice things. Let's wrap this up. I got to Zelda's waiting for me. She'll be mad at me. I'll be like, I was podcasting. She's going to be like, that's not an excuse. Um, all right. Well, my three, I have three little nice things. <laughs> You're like, whatever. Let's move on. Go oh, ahead. What am I going to say? Sorry, Zelda. No, come on. Let's do it. No, it's I'm fine. I'm trying let's to rush it. through it for her. Let's go. I have three little nice <laughs> things. Uh, number one is um, I my wedding ring. Uh, I don't like wearing it. It's uncomfortable and it gets scratched really easily. Oh, that's some Freudian stuff. I know, but so I thought. This thing feels so constricting. (laughs) This ring, this ring is cutting off the circulation to my, the rest of my body. The old ball and chain. Um, no, I bought a silicone, uh, wedding ring to replace it. Just like those little, it was like $8 on Amazon, which don't buy from Amazon, but I did. Um, yeah. I mean, where else do you buy such things? Um, but I bought a, a silicone wedding ring to wear day to day on non-special oh occasions, and it's the wow. best. It's light. It's flexible. If I lose, I'm sorry. It, did cares? you say a silicone wedding ring? Yeah. It's like a little rubber. I'm gonna need to see a photo of that. To me, all I can picture is like, uh, there are these little dampener rings that go around the stems of of MX switches that you can put on keyboards. They're like little tiny silicone circles, like those like donuts. <laughs> and then now in my mind, all that's like that's what you're wearing on your on your finger. Um, I'm sending you a picture right now. Okay, good. All right, what what else do you have uh, for our? My nice other things? nice things are 
I went to a bakery when I was on Long Island called Nettie's Bakery. It's in um, Santa Marches. If you're anywhere mm. near it, it was the most life-changing experience I've ever had. Their food, their baked goods, out of this world. I, I mean, my mouth... I haven't had an experience like that outside of Europe, ever. And so, uh, if you are near that bakery, I mean, we're, 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 you're living. You're, you've won the lottery. Uh, head on over. It's on Google Maps. I think it's only open three days a week. But if you can make it, please. And send me a review and tell them who sent you. Um, and then my third little nice thing is um, uh, I love the Xbox, uh, the new Xbox, the Series X I have. Uh, some people have the, uh, the, the Series S. Um, it's so great. Um, but in the mail... I got, and this will be on the website by the time this is up, um, I mm. got a, a mini fridge in the shape of a Series X filled with energy drinks sent to me personally, uh, not really, by The Rock. That is so cool. I mean, is it an ad? It's an ad. But I opened... It sounds, sounds like an ad right now. I opened podcast. a giant Hawaiian-themed crate with a note from The Rock, and then when I opened the box, it was an Xbox filled with energy drinks. I mean, come on. I'm glad that you're experiencing joy. Come on! The, the, the staff that... in my building brought it to me. They were like, what is this? I was like, I don't know. I'm Indiana Jones right now. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. I'm not going to read all that. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. That's great. It was cool. That's great. I'm going to talk about my nice things, okay? And then we're going to get the F out of here. Okay. For some reason, I decided to not swear that one time on the podcast. <laughs> um, um, actually, I don't even know if these are nice things. Well, first off, my, my, my keyboard purchasing habit has been reinvigorated, and I've got some new keyboards and some new switches that I've fallen in love with. Um, uh, I'm just going to say a couple of things here. Tofu 65, Telio switches, brass plate, polycarbonate shell, LEDs going fucking ballistic. That's all I have to say. The, the, the mechanical keyboard heads will know what I'm talking about. It's my new favorite keyboard, but I've got more on the way, and I'm actually... Uh, planning on building the perfect keyboard for myself, which I'm very excited about. Needless to say, it, towards the end of the pandemic, I've run out of things to be interested in, and I'm just reverting back to um, the things that make me feel best and most comfortable. I've also been like absolutely going ham on my Peloton. I'm now I'm on an extreme beach body diet because I'm going to get back to my original birth weight of eight pounds ten ounces. I was a big baby. And uh, and I'm also going to be a hot baby with a six pack. So I'm riding my Peloton, which I kind of don't like. People are like, are you loving it? I'm like, no, it sucks <laughs> and is the worst. And the people I like the people on the Peloton, but I have to say some of them have some really bad personal musical choices that they're making. And I would love to address. I just want to address. I'm not going to name names, but there are people who make playlists. You know, the people who are the instructors. They do playlists and like if you fucking drop a Dave Matthews song in the middle of the playlist, like you can go fuck yourself. Okay? You really can't. Can't recommend you know what? Cody Rigsby enough. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Maybe Cody Rigsby doesn't fucking put Crash by the Dave Matthews <laughs> band in the middle in the middle of an upbeat playlist. Hey guys, we're running the corner. You guys wanna listen to Brick? <laughs> no, dude, for real. <laughs> I'm not even I the shit some of the shit they roll out I'm like are you it's like it's demoralizing time for fast car. I mean if you've ever been like it's like they got some like Avicii there's like some Avicii song or something it's like I'm like fuck yeah I'm fucking crushing this hill whatever and then it's like crash into me or whatever the song is and you're like 
I now, not only am I not motivated to ride, but I want to die. Like, I want to, like, fall off the bike onto a sharp object and be impaled and just have it all end. So it's not really a nice thing, but the Peloton stuff is a nice thing. And I got to say, I'm like, I've become, like, uh, not addicted to exercising, but for the first time in my life, for the first time ever, I'm doing something that is exercise that I think I'm getting better at. And I feel like it's, like, I feel stronger for doing it. And that is a huge deal for me because I have like been sitting down for like 40 years straight. Okay. Um, now, then finally. Wait, before we go to the last one, can I just say yeah. your music thing made me think of on Sunday morning um, when the daylight savings time shift happened? I woke up at 7 30 after the shift uh, a.m. to my mother blasting Coldplay. So same energy. <laughs> I honestly, though, Coldplay would be like an upgrade. Uh, I mean, I, I wish they'd, sometimes I'm like, I hope this like, you know, smash cut into, it should be smash mouth would be fine actually. But like, I need you to like, anything is better than some of this shit. Like Nickelback, they were playing Nickelback. Oof. This one guy, I'm like, dude, oh, one dude, Creed, he, like, no, haven't heard a Creed yet. Thank God. One dude, though, at the end of the ride, it was like kind of like we we're the, not the cool down period, but close to it. But we were still going. He's like the uh, the song by Bush came on, which is called like. I can't think of the it's like a first off, it's a Bush song. No one even knows who Bush is. Like nobody <laughs> even remembers them. But it was like a slow, like a, a ballad, one of their ballads. Okay, Bush is like a the big sixth generation people, right? No, Bush is like sixth generation Nirvana, British Nirvana yeah. ripoff, but like horrible, bad, just not good. They have a couple catchy songs, actually. This was not one of them. And then the dude was like talking about like his dog that died, that when he came home from college, like his mother told him that the dog had died. And, and I was like, dude, I have just spent 45 minutes riding with you and you've taken me to like the darkest, fucking most depressing place at the end. And it's like, how are you? How is did anybody go like, hey, man, that last ride, like, is there a director there? Like, just say, don't do that. Anyhow, finally, <laughs> finally, uh, I bought, listen, I bought God of War on sale at your recommendation. And then I just recently bought the new Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm -hmm. And I don't get it. There's something wrong. Maybe I don't, because people love these games. I, Assassin's I know people Creed, love I can't do anymore. I can't do it. I, I. I don't get this whole fixation with the fucking tattooed shirtless, like, uh, like prehistoric men or women. There's some women in the, in Assassin's Creed, but like I, I, their quests seem totally dumb to me. All I can think about is how they're all like dying of dysentery and like at the age of 30, like, you know what I mean? Like I, all I can think of is how they smell. I always they smell bad. People smell. They look bad. They smell bad. Bridgerton was a hard watch when you think about the smells. Bridgerton. I tried to watch Bridgerton, but um, I couldn't do it. Just didn't do it for me. I was just like, this is not, this just doesn't seem good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, Laura wouldn't even try. I was like, one night I was just sitting alone. I was like, uh, I'll throw it on. Anyhow, but like, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to try more with Assassin's Creed. It seems like, I mean, I like, War? I, I like, it's interesting. I Something bothers me about this whole like, this whole like the boys not ready like this whole like, oh game. well that's this, not like, why aggro. i love the game it's just like man it's just this very like dude bro kind of like you have to be prepared to kill and it's yeah. like i don't care about that shit 
I don't fucking care about that. I don't think it's stupid. I think it's for like people who are like hunters. They like love hunting and they teach their kid to hunt. They're like, you need to be able to kill a deer. It's when call of it's duty like, people want to like, get their deep. Yeah, they're like, whoa, you know, they're like the people who love 300 are like, this game's important. It's yeah. like, that to me is how I feel. It's like, if you love 300, like, I guess God of War is a cool game, but like, that doesn't do it for See, me. See, the aesthetic is not why I love God of War, but I 100% agree with you on Assassin's Creed. Like, my husband loves them, but I, I look at it and I'm like, like, you're just doing, you're repeating the same tasks over and over. Like, yeah. I don't even understand yeah. what the puzzle you're at. Like, what One are other you thing- doing? One other thing I don't like, and this is, I think, true of God of War, but not in Assassin's Creed, is I hate when um, the bodies disappear. Oh, yeah, like, that's true. I, it really, I really like, I'm a big, I'm big on object permanence, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a big thing for me. I love when I can, I remember where a thing is, <laughs> and like, I don't like that, like, the body, like, vanishes. I find that very annoying. The body in vanishes every... by Agatha Christie. Yeah, in every game that does it, I find it annoying. I understand, like, if you play Control and they don't vanish, they just pile up. To... Actually, do they vanish? I think they do. I never I they pile for up. it. I, that's one of those things I yeah. actively, it's a suspension of disbelief. I can't think about it. Because it does I, bother me. I, I, hated, I hated Mario when you turn a corner and then you come back and all the enemies are back. I'm like, oh, I thought I fucking killed you. You want to die again? <laughs> Yeah, no. Well, there is the whole thing, like, like in the in the Star Wars game, which I just finished, which was good. Um, they do respawn for some reasons. Um, for some sorry, for some reason they respawn. But uh, I, I do notice, like, when they disappear, they they disappear in that game too. I find it highly annoying. So, um, anyhow, that's that's it. I, that wasn't even a nice thing. That was me literally bitching about a thing that I don't like. Um, so, anyhow, all right, let's wrap up. Let's get out of here. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week. Maybe. Maybe. With more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Uh, But I've taken your family hunting. And they're not ready. 